everybody, and welcome to another episode of MBCHS Over Coffee. And today's guest is uh, one that I've been looking forward to. And uh, right across from me, I'm none other than our beloved welding instructor, Mr. Stephen Newfeld. Stephen, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And uh, if I was to recall the first time I met you, Stephen, man, um, I don't know if there's a, a direct time that stands out. I mean, I think I knew you probably from sports volleyball connection somewhere down the road. Then obviously coming to the comp, um, obviously getting to know you more. But the thing that stands out the most is that I've recently heard that the real estate values in your neighborhood that you live have just recently just tanked right <laughs> out. Like <laughs> That's because you moved in. <laughs> doesn't matter what kind of view you got. doesn't matter where uh, you're situated on the block. Um, those real estate values took a huge hit. And uh, it's right because we're neighbors now. And uh, my life has gotten much better. <laughs> and I might be speaking for myself on that one. But uh, it's awesome. That was a huge selling feature, having you just right, right next door. I've called upon you a couple times, uh, asking for some, some help, because I don't yeah, got the done. skills. Yeah. I don't got the skills. <laughs> so help them with some of the new house issues that we've been dealing with. So I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, thank you for, uh, for coming on. Okay, let's start with your teaching journey. How long have you been at NBCHS? I started in NBCHS near the end of September in 96. Okay, so excellent. So it's been a few years, if you can do the math. Man, and same kind of assignment the whole time? Nope, it's been very different. I started out um, filling in for a former colleague, uh, uh, Don McDonald, who was teaching in construction, and he went off on a sick leave. And then I took another position teaching uh, machining and some English and science classes. And since then have moved around to just about every department um, in the building. And um, the only classes I've never taught for sure would be cosmetology and commercial cooking. Okay. I've not taught those two classes. But you some, can, you're a mean barbecue, though. Some <laughs> mean barbecue, yeah. I could do some commercial cooking for that. Uh, the, I guess some of the other, some science classes, I was in um, the Extension Campus, which was a precursor to the Harbor, okay. which was before the Viking Learning Center. Okay. So in the Extension Campus, we basically had correspondence courses for all the classes that students couldn't teach. And so in there, I was helping students with with math, with upper level science, with kind of whatever whatever would be needed on a, on a daily basis. When you say extension campus, was it literally off campus somewhere else? No, was it, was, it was where, um, it was kitty corner from where the office is now. Okay. Um, and it was a longer area. There's been a lot of renovations since then. Okay. And so that was, I think the extension campus had been one spot where the where the daycare is now. Before that, and then it's they've everything's been moved around quite a few times. But yeah, the extension campus was kind of the first attempt at making, you know, what we would call today kind of online learning. Okay, it was sure. a classroom where students could take a class that didn't fit into their schedule, okay. and and get get credit for it. That's awesome. That way. And I, I mean, I think because I've only ever really known you as welding instructor, shop instructor. 
And so it's just easy for my mind to go there. But yeah. uh, to see what other capacities teaching English and science and things like that, was there, um, what is kind of that subject for you be, besides welding and, and machining and shop later things, what was that next subject that you really enjoyed teaching the most? Um, I think I was teaching, a, a, I believe it was Modified Science 2030 at the time. Okay. And though that was, I kind of liked the, the science, the science is like, it, it's, it's an interesting course to teach. Yeah. And especially when you're with a modified group that, that they really have no interest in science. You can take yeah. the courses pretty much wherever. Yeah. And we did a lot of, you know, going out to the pond and getting pond specimens to look at under microscopes just to get them, to try to get them interested in, yeah. in that. And that, that was probably the next, next most interesting thing I taught. That's awesome. Um, so, prior to MBCHS, then in '96, what were some previous schools, or was MBCHS your first? MBCHS was the first school that I taught at. Yeah. Okay. Um, where did you attend university? I I would call it my post-secondary because I I took okay. six years to complete my post-secondary degree, and after the first year, I went to um, I, there was a program that my parents knew of that, that I was able to go to Brazil for a year and work at a work with street kids there for um, in the city of Curitiba okay. in southern Brazil and it was it was quite an eye-opening experience to to be there and to be uh, immersed in in Brazilian culture and Portuguese language yeah, without without having any prior knowledge to it absolutely and so it was uh, that was a really good experience um, my summer jobs, I always worked in a welding machine shop or on a on a drilling rig. Okay. So did some uh, a lot of manual labor jobs, and um, then after my second year, I decided to take a break again, and I had I found uh, three friends that wanted to go traveling, so we we fixed up an old Volkswagen van and drove to Central America, <laughs> and uh, so that took. Another year off, and then came back and worked on a drilling rig again to, to make enough money to go back to school. And then I finished two years in a row, and then was working on a drilling rig again. And it was near the end of September on a Friday afternoon that Al Gabert called me and said he needed somebody to teach for a while. And I really had no intention of really teaching I didn't it wasn't in my mind at the time yeah I was making a good living working in the oil field and it was I always thought I'd do something different but wasn't sure yeah and then so I took a a, I think a six-week contract to fill in for a six sick leave is that the end of September the end of September yeah and that turned into 26 years (laughs) okay so Uh, I feel like this is going to be part one of like a three-part podcast series just based on what you told me <laughs> right now. Um, so throughout your university experience, um, I mean, maybe let's go back to Brazil. Like how amazing an experience uh, I think would that have been? Uh, you said you were working with uh, like kind of inner city or s- students who are on the... I, Southern or Brazil especially is a really interesting country that there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of poverty and a lot of a lot of extreme or a small amount of extreme wealth sure okay which are usually right beside each other yeah 
So I was, the first six months I was there, I lived with a with a very wealthy family. Okay. Um, that's we can't even kind of fathom in our in our culture here how how wealthy they were. And, and the the next six months, I lived with a family that had built a house in the in the backyard of their parents' house. Okay. Just a small kind of shack to, to live in and they, it was interesting they both in the evenings they would both watch the same tv shows okay <laughs> the wealthy people would watch the same tv show on a slightly larger tv yeah but they all really liked to eat rice and beans okay and it other than that it was you know it wasn't a whole lot different of an experience between the two wow and so your parents connected you with that experience you said yeah in brazil and um Sorry, can you remind me what your role was in Brazil? Uh, when I got there, I was driving a Volkswagen van. I was picking kids up because kids would go to school for either the morning or the afternoon because their schools became overpopulated. Okay. So Brazil's solution to that was to cut the days into half. Yeah. So teachers would still work a full day and have the students in the morning and get rid of them and get a new group in the afternoon. So in the half day, most of their parents worked all day, and in the half day that they weren't in school, there was usually no one supervising them. So there was a program uh, for these kids to that I would pick them up at their schools and then bring them to school and help teach some English, help do whatever else needed to be done at this at this uh, this facility. Wow, that is that's awesome, and and uh, probably a pretty impactful experience uh, for the university. It was for sure, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so then next on your list, you Volkswagen van again yep. enters the picture and you're driving from Saskatchewan to Central America in a Volkswagen van. Yeah. I could only dream of such a feat. Um, uh, where were you living at the time when you shipped off Saskatoon or North Um I'd been, I was actually living, uh, I was just staying at, well, kind of between places. I was sleeping on couches and stuff, but my yeah. parents were living at Herschel at the time. And so they had the garage and all the the equipment that I could could get the vehicle ready for that. So I was staying there okay. for the most part until we left. And we wanted the people I was traveling with wanted to go down the the west coast. So we drove to I think they had some family or something in Vancouver Island too. So we drove to Vancouver Island and then took the ferry to um, to Washington from there, and then drove along the coast. Just the coast of the All the way. way to Guatemala. Guatemala, yeah. Um, and it was uh, kind of purely just the adventurous road trip kind of spirit thing. Um, was there more objective to it than that? Or? Not really. We yeah. just wanted to have that experience. That's awesome. What what stands out to you from that experience? Um, I think a lot of people were always... Um, a lot of people are afraid to travel in Latin America. And usually the... The, the worst places to be in Latin America are around the resorts. Okay. That the resorts are relatively safe because there's lots of security. Um, but around the... Uh, and then around the resorts, it's usually not great. You want to get away from that pretty quickly. Mm. But then out, out in rural Mexico, um, a lot of the Mexicans would tell me at the time that they're, they were surprised to actually stop and talk to them because most people would be would were scared and they would run away and think they were going to try to rob them or something but yeah i spoke enough spanish that i could um you could talk to them and see what they're up to and it was and the people people really appreciate when when 
foreigners or especially North Americans would, would make an attempt to talk to them and yeah. not be scared and run away. Yeah. That's awesome. And so you spoke enough Spanish, you said, uh, and that Spanish is all the way through Central America or not? Well, Bra- or Brazil, they speak Portuguese. Portuguese? Okay. And um, uh, I think there's one other country where they, they uh, I don't quote me on that, I can't remember. I think there's a French. Yeah, sure. yeah okay. Yeah, what uh, I mean, even just landscape scenery-wise, like what what area stood out to you the most as far as just the beauty of it all, kind of thing. Uh, the people I was traveling with really liked the beaches, so we stuck along the coast. Uh, I remember the one spot where I, I had a picture of it, where my, our van was camped beside some huge cactus that was probably three times the height of the the van, and that always stuck out in my mind as a a really interesting spot where we were scared to get out to go to the washroom because we just stopped the van in the middle of the desert basically yeah. and and we're scared to get out because we didn't know anything about rattlesnakes or yeah. spiders scorpions whatever yeah <laughs> but oh, one nice. of those things where we we should have known more information but yeah oh well any, we survived uh, any snake spider encounters on the trip there was one time i drove over a spider and I remember thinking it was so big because it was bet- between the wheels and I was like picked up like when you're driving over say a raccoon yeah, on yeah. the road or something and you yeah. think you're going to bottom out on it Yeah, yeah. but it didn't happen so I was okay oh man so I guess being a dad like if your children come to you and say dad I want to get a Volkswagen van and I just want to drive to Central America like you would be all for that I think <laughs> things are substantially different right now fair enough However, my daughter is going backpacking for three weeks by herself in Europe. Okay. Uh, next week, so. And you'll be trailing at a safe distance where she can't recognize you. <laughs> no, she'll be fine. <laughs> oh man! Wow, that's that's awesome. How did Al Gabert know to phone you? What was the connection there? My brother Arnold, who's five years older than me, okay. was teaching at the comp at the time. Okay. Yes. And Arnold was uh, a very clean cut. And worked in, he was working in drafting and electronics at the time, and he kind of vouched for me. And they were a little bit concerned when they showed up because I had really long hair driving this old Volkswagen van, yeah. <laughs> pulled up to the school. What, and there people what music were, was playing at this point? Um, I don't think there was really any playing. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think I finished a shift at Sunday night at eight o'clock. On a drilling rig near Kindersley, and drove up, and didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and but uh, the proof is in the pudding because you've been well, here for twenty six years. Been a long that's time. for sure, man. That's that's awesome. Um, so, uh, as far as like knowing you wanted to become a teacher, that maybe came as the journey began, almost. Or I was thinking about that that question, and I think I really knew I wanted to become a teacher about five or six years ago okay so it's it's for a while you kind of go through the motions yeah. and yeah. you do as good a job as you can and get coaching but it gets really busy especially with with the young family and stuff at the time Absolutely. it's yeah. you just think okay well this is what I have to do and yeah you keep doing it and after a while you think actually you know what I'm starting to kind of like this yeah yeah was there a particular kind of thing that clicked and kind of this is the yeah this is for me um I think as you're when you're younger, it, it's harder in a in a big school to when there's a lot of lot of established teachers to try and be yourself 
and mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to be, to be comfortable in your own shoes, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think I've gotten to that point where I quite like what I'm doing currently and it's, and it's, uh, I usually know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I, I know when I don't know what I'm talking about and can admit that. Yeah. And so that's always helpful. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I just see your fit in where you are currently, just because that's the only place I, I, I've known you. I just yeah. see that that's just such a, a natural fit for you. Yeah. The kids who enter that room are going to be taught, taught well. They're going to feel at home. They're going to feel safe uh, and comfortable. And it's just a great environment, and it's because you're the leader of that environment. Like That is honestly how I see it. So I just Thanks. think that's such a natural fit, uh, a natural fit. Um, where were you born and raised? I was born in uh, Waterloo in Ontario, okay. where my daughter is currently going to university. And there's no Excellent. reason for that. There's so no, no connection. No, there. no connection okay. there. And then before I was a year old, my parents uh, moved to North Battleford, okay. and so I was there for. Um, I started, but the first school I went to was Alexander Junior High School. Oh no! Until. I think grade at the end of grade four, Alexander Junior High closed. Yep. And sorry, um, it was Alexander Elementary School okay. to begin with. I got that wrong. So it was Alexander Elementary, and then I went to we got moved to McKittrick for grade uh, five, six, and seven. And in the meantime, they had turned Alexander Elementary into Alexander Junior High. So I went back to Alexander for grade eight, and then uh, my parents moved a couple hours south of here to the small community of Herschel. Okay. And so I spent a couple years in Rosetown, and then went to Rostron Junior High School for grade 11 and 12. Okay, excellent. When I was in Hafford, we played football against Rostron Junior High School too, so a bit of a connection there. Awesome. uh, what uh, what brought your family from Waterloo to North Battleford? Uh, my my dad was a uh, his family was uh, there were farmers fruit farmers in southern Ontario. Okay. And my dad was a minister and mom was a nurse, and they they're both retired now, um, but they both got jobs here, and so moved here. That's awesome, and we're we're benefiting from it. Um, when you were a student, um, whether Alexander Elementary or the other schools you attended, um, was there any teachers that stood out to you? Uh, yeah, you particularly just connected with or resonated with? Or? I think the one that I really remember the most would be um, one of the ones was Mr. Heineman. Okay, because he was a uh, he was a teacher at the time at um, Alexander Junior High. Okay, and. It's funny because I, I remember him kind of the same way that I know him now. That he's he's always been a very consistent, you know, consistent in the school. He yeah. he, you know, always always there for his students and always trying to do do the best. Um, he really stuck out, and I don't remember his name, but at at um, Roston Junior High School we had a uh, we had a physics teacher who was in his first few years of teaching. And uh, he was a really he he coached as well coached me in I think hockey and football and uh, 
and was just a really good, really good teacher and really, really pushed me to get into the, into education. Yeah. Excellent. What did, what did 10 year old Stephen Neufeld want to be when he grew up? I'm really not sure on that one. <laughs> I know I liked playing hockey at the time, but I, I, I really don't know if I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I, I never really was. Like I say, until about, you know, even sometimes now, I still wonder what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully it comes sooner or later that I figure it out. It's, that's not a bad thing. It's great to just always be asking. Better yeah. than flatlining and just yeah. doing whatever. Just to always be asking. That's that's awesome. That's the important thing. Um, yeah, like speaking of hockey or sports, um, what kept you busy as a kid? Like what were some of your go-to hobbies for... We would always bike around everywhere. So we just, with the neighborhood friends, you'd just jump on your bike and drive around, bike around North Battleford. Yeah. And it was usually usually pretty safe. We wouldn't get into trouble that often, but just <laughs> biking around everywhere. I think the one time I really did get into trouble, we decided to bike to Battleford, and I really didn't know what Battleford and I don't even it might have been grade five or six or something. Okay. I remember getting a flat tire <laughs> and trying to repair it. We were gone way, way too late after it was dark and stopped at the time at the house of Quan. Okay. To use the payphone. Sure. To to call my parents. They knew where I was and they had to come pick us up because we had flat tires in our bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Better than picking up from Central America with yeah. a flat tire on the Volkswagen. Yeah. Um Skipping ahead now, too, um, outside of teaching, what are some of your hobbies that you're involved with? Are you involved in metalworking and things um, that you're doing inside the school? Are you involved outside the school as well? Really, not, not a whole lot outside of the school. Um, I was talking about the Volkswagens. When I was in grade 9, I think I, I got a Volkswagen dune buggy that was broken and fixed it. Didn't really know what I was doing, but... My dad was really good at saying, hey, well, why don't you just try it and go ahead and if you need a hand, let me know. And I would just spend a lot of time in the garage tinkering. Yeah. And we had a welder there and could I could pull the motor out and get it running and put it back in. And and uh, then I think I sold that one, got another one. We kept, we were always tinkering with, with old Volkswagens. We seemed to have a lot of them, so we had spare parts for everything and yeah. could fix them and interchange things and learn about mechanics and how things worked yeah by doing hands-on things and that's for me i really really enjoy that now i guess the one big hobby that i one thing i really enjoy is is mountain biking and mountain climbing and haven't had as much for the opportunity recently to do it but i do really enjoy the the trails out by the old sask hospital sure i uh, called the pg man trail and the pg plus okay They're great uh, great mountain biking trails great in our community that's actually where um, mountain climbing, like, do you typically go to Alberta for something like that? Or? Yep. Yeah. In Canmore area is probably my, probably my favorite. Oh, that's excellent. That to go, to go hiking. We'd, I like really enjoy doing um, scrambles okay. in the Canadian Rockies. I got a book probably 30 years ago, a small book from Mountain Equipment Co-op called yep. Scrambles in the Canadian Rockies. Okay. And it shows all the different mountains, mountain peaks you can climb without needing equipment. Sure. I did some technical rock climbing too with equipment, but I found I had a little bit of a fear of heights and I hadn't done it enough yeah. to to feel really comfortable. 
and so stayed away from the technical rock climbing just to do the, the yeah. scrambles. Sure, and scramble is defined as being able to climb without needing without without needing any gear. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So typically, not crazy high elevation, or is it? Uh, you're still getting to a to a peak, so it's it's pretty high. You'll often go through a snowpack and stuff near the top, but it's still stuff that's not a huge amount of snow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, very cool, very cool. Um, so looking over all the experience you've had um, within school, I mean, you've been in the comp for 26 years, any moments that really stand out to you from your teaching career? I mean, for better or worse, I guess, to say, but uh, anything that you kind of look back on? Um, I think when I was... I kind of, when we started out, I was kind of under the impression that it was it was my job especially as a and it was kind of understood that the the shop teachers the uh, the phys ed teachers would do a lot of a lot of coaching okay and so I did a lot of coaching coached uh, football and wrestling and and track and I probably spent too much time coaching okay and when especially when my my two oldest now were were young at home uh, I just had far too many weekends away yeah that that I probably should have you know spent a bit more focused a bit more and I, I did focus as much time as I could on my family but yeah. um, and there were some good experiences there too but it probably would have been better to coach a little bit less sure yeah you know coaching a sport instead of two or three in a year yeah yeah no fair enough yeah I and and Similar, I mean, I started in K to twelve rural school too as a phys ed teacher, so it's easy for someone to fit in there and do all the sports kind of thing. It's just kind of how it goes sometimes, for sure. Um, anything, anything that stands out to you from the coaching experiences? Uh, any success that you experienced with them? Or? Um, we had a couple of really good years when I built, tried to build the wrestling program up. And where we won regional, like team regionals, um, with wrestling, which is only that's the only time it's ever happened in our in our school. Um, we had a lot of great times coaching coaching football. There's that that team aspect of football that, yeah. that is really um, that students really really enjoy. And, and and the one thing that that I've really found with coaching, and I've always told people coming into the school too, that especially in in some of our programs that we're teaching it really helps a lot with classroom management if you're if you're coaching some of the same students that you end up um teaching yeah absolutely they just see that other side of you and have that you know they they know you a bit bit, bit better and it just uh um just building those relationships really really helps yeah no absolutely when i started at the comp i I mean, one of the best things I could do was help with the junior football and junior basketball. Um, and I, I mean, I've told this to my wife and, and maybe some others that, like, I mean, I lived off those relationships. Mm-hmm. Those, because they were grade 9 junior sports, like, all the way through to grade 12. Like, uh, it really helped me to feel much more comfortable in the building, coming in as a new teacher to such a big school. And I could just... I just had those relationships established for years after that uh, mm-hmm. with those kids, and it just that made a huge, huge difference for me. So I definitely would resonate with that. Like the relational aspect of extracurricular is, I don't know if there's 
anything else kind of like it as far as establishing that rapport and level mm-hmm. of comfort and getting to know kids and then getting to know you is it's uh, just such an awesome way that that works out so no for sure um, what is first year uh, sorry what does Stephen know now that first year Stephen Newfeld did not know as a teacher I think like everything else or any other job you do have to know what, how to pick your battles or when to when to pick a battle mm-hmm. um, in all kinds of different situations whether with with colleagues or or students whatever as well there's a lot of things certainly a lot of things I've learned um, I spent a, would spend a lot of time say teaching a certain concept earlier on in one of the shops and as you as you you've taught it multiple times you, you suddenly realize like that's that part really isn't important that it's you know once I get them focused it it's really a lot easier so I, I think to, um, a first year teacher had known that you know to, to reevaluate kind of some of the things you're you're doing to not maybe focus so much yeah on some of the things that I thought were so important yeah <laughs> no fair enough um, if or when you have an intern, I'm not sure if you had an intern uh, yet in your career, but if or when you had one, what would be like one thing you'd for sure want them to know or take away from it? I think I've had th- three or four. Oh, excellent. It's been about ten, ten years maybe since I've had one. And, uh, you know, like the, the, the internship is a great great tool especially when you get to to work with multiple different teachers because you you know some teachers are very set in their ways of how they they like to do things it's good to see you yeah. know multiple different ways because everybody you know ha- has their own way we don't we're, we're not supposed to all be identical in the way we teach things or the way we have relationships with students the way we you know uh, the way we interact in the building we, yeah. we all need to be ourselves be individuals yeah and because students can spot that out immediately if you're not being yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, for sure. And how it kind of fits together like a puzzle a little bit for students in, in that they're not going to resonate with every teacher, everybody. Yeah, for sure. But when people are being themselves, they know the ones that they do resonate with, and that's so important because every every student's going to resonate with different teachers depending on their personality mm-hmm. style and. It, and when we're just able to be ourselves, um, that just works so much more seamlessly for students to find connection, for us to uh, just feel more comfortable and enjoy our work and who we are as teachers. And uh, well, that's, well, that's excellent. Um, if you had a group of kids come up to you who um, are in a situation where maybe they don't know what they want to do when they get out of high school, um, they you know have some options to uh, maybe travel or whatever it is, but they're just kind of stressed out that they don't quite know what it is they want to be doing. Would you have any advice for a particular group of students? I've advised a few students and actually my own two kids on this too that um, it doesn't really matter so much at the start what you pick as long as you pick something mm-hmm. and know that it can change. And if you're not happy w- with your with your choice, then you can always choose something different. You yeah. know, you can... You can go a different route if that's if that's what you want to do, but but do pick something because some people will end up just kind of you know not not choosing 
any route yeah. and then really regretting it later, like pick something and see if it works for you and maybe 15, 20 years down the road you'll really start enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's, it, it's kind of just the whole you can't steer a parked car kind of thing. Yeah. Um, let, let your process evolve, let who you are kind of continue to grow and evolve and yeah, choose, choose the best option you got yeah and just let that process move forward um, that's excellent a um, couple questions that we look at uh, at the end here continually and I, I really enjoy these questions um, one would be what would so at your retirement whenever that may be uh, at your retirement what would you like former students uh, or current students even at that time to say about you at your retirement party Well, I think, like I said earlier, that that it wasn't there was nothing about the relationships we had. There was nothing that was really fake. That it was it was it was real. That I did try to have have those those difficult conversations with students and and try to uh, you know instead of just carrying them across the finish line, just just saying like, hey, you need to be like I talk to students about this daily. Like, hey, you. What, trying to train you to become become adults here yeah. you need to take on the responsibility and you know instead of just trying to be the class clown all the time like like figure out what you want to do and I, I run things like that in, in my shop sometimes too that that when students don't want to do a particular task I said well there's there's ten other things you can do so yeah. you need to pick the thing yeah. that you like doing or that you want to do today and do you know be real with yourself too about what your abilities are and I'm not going to be there looking over your shoulder to make sure you do it right you know as long as you're doing it safely there's multiple ways that you can you can do things and and just to get students to to figure some things out on their own instead of being told all the time because a lot of them do get told you know by their parents or by other other people in their lives what they have to do who they have to be I'd like to see them figure that out on their own yeah absolutely yeah not going to go wrong with being real that's for sure absolutely Um, question we always finish on is what do you want people to say about you at your funeral (laughs) that's a really tough question Jeremy yeah (laughs) What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, not to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, I don't know that he probably that I you know cared about the people that I worked with, and it wasn't just you know wasn't going through the motions of things. It did really try to uh, make a difference in some people's lives, and uh, yeah. And love life. Yeah, that's. I think one of my one of my favorite activities. Actually, I forgot to mention before was about about skiing. There's something about that, and we've done that as a as a family uh, quite extensively over the years, and have been involved with local clubs and stuff. And there's nothing like you really feel like you're alive when you're. Yeah. Jumping off a cliff and going down some some like it's in go like I really love skiing through like tight trees and stuff and people say like don't you think it's dangerous I'm like yeah. well if it's it's really enjoyable and it's I you'd think 
you'd like to think that in the end people said, hey, that person lived their life to their fullest, that they really tried yeah. to um, tried to push the limits and make sure that they were having some fun. Yeah, absolutely. And there's that, that level of focus that's required and hmm. all the senses are, are there when there is some danger around, there is some trees close by, you yeah. know, that kind of thing, and uh, how that just kind of elevates the experience, obviously. That's awesome. Um, that sense of adventure, right? Just even going back to the trip to Central America, Brazil, other places, um, still alive and well with you. That sense of adventure, that sense of. Hey, I think so. We've done. We did a family backpacking trip in um, through Europe when my youngest son was about five, and it was enjoyable. I don't know that I'd recommend it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, going through Europe when it's really hot. And you have, you know, tired, hungry, screaming children too, and and it's just it's, it, it we certainly have some memories from that trip. A lot of good <laughs> memories that we'll never forget, but yeah. you know it was uh, certainly enjoyable. I think we'd like to do. Uh, my wife Jana and me would like to do some more traveling yet yeah. in our futures and just having some more, some more adventures for sure. It's excellent. Yeah, my wife and I love backcountry uh, in Alberta and stuff. Uh, mm. Really enjoy backcountry hiking and camping. Um, so yeah, looking forward to more of that as well. But well, that's excellent. Um, well, before we get to the uh, espresso round here at the very end, um, just want to say like your your approach that you have to to the job, to teaching, to students, to just the environment you built in that welding shop and and I guess hearing you reflect on just you know being real and that that value of being real that's been threaded throughout your story and what you've said here I just feel like that that really comes through in, in who you are and how you lead students in your environment how you shape your environment in the welding shop um, and just how much I know in speaking for the students that they 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 see that like you said mm-hmm. they know that they recognize that they feel safe in an environment where someone's just being real uh, and someone who, who who cares and someone who's going to do right by students like you are when they're just being real being themselves it just diffuses so many things and um, so just thank you for that that approach thank you for who you are and, and just showing up and, and being yourself and delivering that every day to those kids. Um, I just honestly mean that. Like it's it uh, it's excellent, and even I'm experiencing that as as your new neighbor <laughs> when you're just a text message away to come fix yeah. uh, a light fixture or something else like that. It's just appreciate that you're never gonna go wrong being real, and uh, and that's you. And I I really do appreciate that, Stephen. So thank you for everything you do. You're welcome. Thanks for this. Okay. Time for the espresso round. We're going to go quick as you want, I suppose. But uh, first kind of real answer that comes to your mind. Not that I'd expect anything less from you. Um, Question number one. I guess may require some thinking. But people would not really know this. But I'm really good at... Spanish? Yeah. That's excellent. Um, uh, first common phrase that comes to your mind in Spanish. Let's, let's just go right for it right now. Yo quiero una cerveza. 
Ooh. <laughs> is there a translation available? We have to, it's left to our imagination. Nope. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Two favorite holiday without not summer. Summer is an obvious one for teachers, but favorite holiday. Uh, going to Sunshine Village at Easter. Excellent. Is that ski with family? That's the favorite ski hill. Is it Sunshine Village or what's certainly the in spring? Okay, the first favorite one in spring. Okay, Sunshine. What would be the one that like that's the one lifelong that, almost that you can the remember. lifelong that's that's where we had all our family experiences or best family experiences I should say okay so if you had one ski hill to choose that'd be where you that'd go? be it yeah okay sounds good um, if you could uh, oh, okay what, what would you prefer first I think there's a couple questions here would you prefer two tickets to a concert or two tickets to a sporting event depends on what the event was probably a sporting event okay and what would be the go-to sporting event you could have just two tickets the dream I haven't seen an NFL game in person I'd okay. really like to experience that yeah that would be my awesome. wife and daughter did okay we went to the Bills Miami playoff game nice in, <laughs> in Buffalo or Miami in Buffalo okay this past year when we went to visit her in January's playoff game. Yes. Okay, and they <laughs> they did it just to take selfies yeah. and and send yeah. you the photos. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for them. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that's on my bucket list a little bit. Well, a little bit down the bucket list, but on there is a big NCAA like football game. Something like a Michigan yeah. or a Notre Dame where there's 110,000 people yeah. in the stands. That'd like, be cool too. That would be very cool. With that. That's awesome. Okay. Um, Favorite song of all time? Because I know you got you got some music playing pretty continually in that loving <laughs> shop. So. It probably have to be a Pink Floyd song. Wish you were here. Excellent. Just something that sits. There's a whole bunch of them, but okay. that, that would be one I could pick out the top of my head. Sounds great. Some wise advice your parents taught you or gave you. Brush your teeth. That's awesome. Most sentimental eating location? Uh, on top of Whistler's Mountain in Jasper. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah. That sounds pretty nice. What are you eating at this location? Uh, prime, prime rib on my honeymoon with my wife. No, that sounds fantastic. Okay. Uh, if you had a talk show, who would be your first guest or first guests? Clint Eastwood. Fantastic. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I could see Clint strolling around the welding shop. Actually. I'd like to see what he's really like. I, I assume he's a certain way, but yeah. you know, until you talk to somebody, you never know. That's true. Yeah, does he have like a six-shooter on his hip? <laughs> In real life, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, best or um, a memorable gift that you've received in your life? Um... Hmm. I had a student make me uh, that really enjoyed blacksmithing recently and he made me an unsharpened railroad spike knife and it was really he did a really good job of it and uh, it was just an interesting interesting thing showing that he hadn't he hadn't uh, it's something he had been interested in but had never been able to try before yeah 
kind of kind of got him started, and he took it in a completely different direction from what I had kind of taught him to. But then he wanted to show his appreciation for that with oh. making me something that he made at home, or bring giving me something that he made at home. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Uh, number one item on your bucket list. Number one item. Yeah. To. Well, uh, it's just something on your bucket list. Something you want to check off the list before you pass away. Hmm. I'd like to go back to Machu Picchu. I went there when I lived in South America. Okay. Briefly, and I didn't get the the full experience kind of that I'd wanted. It had been rushed, and I thought it was quite a sure, quite an incredible space. I'd like to go back there. Yeah, absolutely. That is mountain, right? Yeah, Machu Picchu. It's and an Incan ruin in in uh, the highlands in Peru. Okay. Wow, that's very cool. That sounds awesome. Um, and last one, who would you like to see as a guest on the podcast? Hmm. I hadn't thought about that one. I think most of the ones that we talked about have already been... Yeah, we've had Humanino on, Katini... Um, can I pass on one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Alex? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, no worries. It's uh, tough person to get later on, and, and a lot of them, a lot of staff have been on the podcast. Uh, it's tougher to have one pop to your head right away. But. Good. Okay, well, thanks so much for being on, Stephen. I really appreciate this. You're welcome. This is great, and uh, yeah, just to get to know you a little more. It's been fantastic and the experiences you've had and, and uh, yeah, just, just to get to know your approach a little bit more is uh, just awesome. And thank you for being a friend and a neighbor and uh, appreciate Good it. Time. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's time to thank the amazing people who make MBCHS Over Coffee Podcast possible. Producing, recording, technology, my friend, Ryan Kabelski, the man. Podcast cover art, Miss Elizabeth Millard. Staff photographs, Mr. Mark Kachorik. And intro music, Madison Hemmerling. Catch him on Apple Music with his band, The Gladstone. So no profanity. Or all profanity. Oh, either or, I don't care. Yeah. Just choose, choose one. Yeah. So you're saying I have to be feigned. <laughs> Is that the opposite of profane? Pro Confane? Confane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Entirely confane. Antifane?